Tonight, my burden is to endeavor to preach to you some from a passage of Scripture found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Our beloved Apostle Paul would tell us that in everything, we should give thanks. Thanks to God, not to men, but to God. In everything, give thanks. I don't think the Bible teaches us that we're to give thanks for everything that happens to us in life. We don't thank God for accidents, for cancer, for wars and things of that nature. But in the midst of all of life's experiences, we should be giving thanks to God for his manifold blessings on us. In everything, give thanks. Not just be thankful, but give thanks. If you have thanks in your heart, express it outwardly. It's good to just give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How many of us tonight in the house want to be in the will of God? Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I think that's a prayer that God's will be done in us as it is in heaven. So it's God's will. God is pleased with his children when they give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of Satan. No. Let me tell you, Satan is upset when you're giving thanks. He's upset we're here tonight. Praise and worship upsets the devil. I think it probably makes him sick. But we're here tonight to give thanks to God, no matter what the devil thinks. He wants us to murmur. He wants us to complain. He wants us to count our many troubles. But God wants us to give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, beloved, when you and I are giving thanks, we are doing something that pleases God. I asked a brother recently at the church I pastor to come around and share some thoughts and have our prayer, and he said, you know, when I'm at church, at least I know I'm doing one thing that pleases God. And that was a good attitude to have, wasn't it? There may be a lot of places we could be tonight that wouldn't be pleasing him, but I think he is pleased that we are here on a Friday night. And why are we here? To see and be seen? Hopefully not. We are here to worship God and to give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it pleases God. He's honored when his children go around giving thanks. Brother Andy mentioned in his prayer that God would help us with an attitude of gratitude. And you know that's a great attitude to have, isn't it? An attitude of gratitude. And the Apostle Paul not only taught this, he practiced it. Let's go back to chapter 1 of Thessalonians and verse 2. We give thanks to God always for who? For you all. 
making mention of you in our prayers. Did y'all notice tonight that your pastor said he was thankful y'all were here? You know, you can almost ruin a meeting by focusing on who's not here. I want to focus on who made it, who is here. Now, those that couldn't because of sickness, we pray for them. We miss them. We wish they were here. But we are here, and we're thankful you're here. And Paul was giving thanks. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. How often do y'all just at home thank God for this church? Thank God for your pastor, your deacons, your members, your friends that visit. That's a wonderful thing to do, isn't it? Just thank God for your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Over here in chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul would express this to us in verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Brother Michael, aren't we thankful that when people hear the word of God, they don't receive it as the word of men, but they receive it as the word of God. We're here tonight as human beings. I understand that. We're humans. We have a sinful nature. But we've been born from above. And hopefully, God has given you a hunger for the Word of God. And I hope He has given me a gift to teach the Word of God. And we are here tonight to receive the Word of God. Jesus said to the devil, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, we have to have bread, don't we? We have to have bread to sustain the natural body. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And when you and I are spending time in the word, feeding ourselves on the word of God, desiring the word of God as newborn babes, that's a wonderful thing. The apostle Peter said, desire the word of God as newborn babes. The milk of the word. That's what he's talking about. Have y'all ever been around a baby that was hungry and wanting to feed? They'll let you know, won't they? They cry out. They don't just wait patiently for mama to get them something. When they feel that hunger pain, they desire it. And the apostle tells us that we're desire the word of God as newborn babes desire milk. How many of y'all desire the word of God? You get hungry for it. Now you can feed yourself at home. And I'm very thankful Brother Mike and his wife have this wonderful ministry called Grace Alone that goes all over the world by internet and feeds a lot of people every day with preaching and singing. That's a wonderful thing. And you can feed yourself. But there's nothing quite like being in the house of God, gathered around the word of God to feed on what God has given us. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire it. That's interesting, isn't it? Y'all ever desire to eat 
breakfast or lunch or supper? I bet you do. <laughs> you ever get hungry? And you're going to make arrangements to eat, aren't you? Well, you and I need to develop a spiritual hunger for the Word of God. Desire the milk of the Word. That you may, what? Grow thereby. How many in the house need to grow spiritually? Now, I don't need to grow anymore physically. I could use a few inches in height, but I sure don't need any more around my waist. <laughs> you know, they call uh, midlife. <laughs> the reason I think they call it that is because your midsection begins to expand during middle age. <laughs> Can I get a witness from anybody? I don't need to be growing physically, but I need to be growing spiritually. That you may grow thereby. Grow in love. Grow in your ability to forgive people. Grow in your ability to share what you have with others. Grow, beloved friends. Grow in mercy. Isn't that something great to grow in? That you may grow thereby. And when we spend time around the Word of God, it helps us to grow. To grow spiritually in the things of God. And so... Paul would say, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's a beautiful thing to be up here trying to preach the word of God and you can sense that people are actually receiving it as the word of God. I'm not up here talking about growing cotton or corn or selling cars or things of that nature. I'm up here trying to declare to you all the word of the living God. And I heard recently about a cardiologist whose daughter was doing some research in college and uh, she wanted to put heart monitors on different people with different kinds of work, like mechanics and farmers and truck drivers. And, and she put one on their pastor while he was preaching. And the cardiologist told the pastor, I was shocked when I found out how much energy it takes to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard Elder Sonny Pyle say one time he could work on his farm eight hours and not be as tired as he was after trying to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for an hour. What's going on here in the house of God is spiritual. It's supernatural. It's beyond what is natural. And you all need to be praying that God would bless you to receive the word of God as the word of God. Oh, beloved friends, Paul is saying to us that we ought to give thanks. Now, what do we have to be thankful for? Now, that's a broad subject, isn't it? I mentioned this recently in a sermon about being thankful for the garbage truck. How many of y'all are thankful for the garbage truck that comes by? You know what it would be like if we didn't have garbage picked up and places to put it? In New York City years ago, the, the uh, garbage truck business went on strike and garbage was piling up on the city streets and people could not live there. Let me tell you, one reason why Americans are living as long as we are today is because of refrigeration and sanitation. 
And if we didn't have sanitation, let me tell you, when you see that garbage truck go by, don't look at that as just a menial task. That's a wonderful job. If you ever stood in front of your refrigerator and said, thank you, God, for my refrigerator, <laughs> people used to die of food poisoning a lot. Let me tell you, folks, there's so much that we ought to be thanking God for tonight. It's endless, really. Every breath of air we take, you know where it comes from? Does God send y'all a bill for the oxygen you breathe? No. I love this story. This man had been in the hospital and they had had to give him oxygen. And when he got the bill, he started crying. And the doctor said, don't cry. We can make arrangements for payments. Don't cry. We'll help you out. He said, I'm not crying about the bill. I can pay it. He said, what I'm crying about is I've been breathing God's oxygen all my life. And he's never sent me a bill. <laughs> what about sunshine? What if, what if God sent us a bill for the sunshine we got today? We'd never be able to pay it, but he sends it freely. I want to tell you, we are blessed. And we are blessed with things that we can so easily take for granted. That's right, brethren and sisters. We, we just need to learn to thank God. Thank God for your parents. My mother, I loved her. She raised 15 children. I was the youngest of 15. And my mama was a wonderful mother, but she wasn't perfect. And when you'd hear the kids talking about mama when she wasn't around, they'd bring up some of her faults. <laughs> and, and mama had some of them. Now, some of y'all knew mama, and y'all loved, and y'all were good to my mama when she would come up here. But mama, uh, every once in a while, she'd lose her temper. <laughs> You know, she was not perfect. But let me tell you, if I could bring her back in this world for one hour, I would tell her, Mama, you're the most wonderful person in the world. And I would thank her. And those of you that have still got your mamas and your daddies around, why don't you just call them up or send them a card or say, thank you. Is that trivial? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a trivial thing to give thanks for your brothers and your sisters. Took me a long time to learn that. You know, as the youngest of 15, I had 14 mamas and daddies <laughs> telling me what to do. And it took me a while to get to where I really thank God for my siblings. But let me tell you, the time came as I began to mature to thank God for all my brothers and all my sisters. And you know, I got to where I could overlook their faults and failures and they overlooked mine. And, and I just give thanks. There's only three of us left tonight. And I tell you, I thank God for those two that are still in the world tonight. How many of y'all ever just call your brother up or your sister and say, thank God for you, I love you. That's important. I know it's hard for some people to get those words out of their mouth and say, I love you, but you need to practice. <laughs> Just stand in a mirror and say, I love you. <laughs> you can probably say that to yourself because <laughs> we all love ourselves. You do know that, don't we? We may not like a lot about ourselves, but we sure love ourselves. We just need to learn to give thanks for all the things that God has blessed us with in this life. And you know where gratitude starts? It starts right here in our mind. And we need to develop that attitude of gratitude. It's wonderful when people practice gratitude. 
I know we all have problems in this life. And when you have problems, you know what you need to do with them. You need to take them to the Lord in prayer. And you need to cast those cares and lean on the everlasting arms. And if you've got a problem, you need to try to work on it and resolve it. But don't complain about it. Nobody wants to hear complaints. How many of y'all just love hearing complaining? How many of y'all ever do any? <laughs> oh, I stepped on a toe or two there, I bet you. But I was aiming for your heart. <laughs> Notice what Paul would say here in Philippians chapter 4. He would say in verse 6, be careful for nothing. Now that word careful in our English language doesn't carry the same meaning that the apostle has here. But, you know, I saw a sign the other day on the highway that said, pass with care. You know what that meant? That means be very cautious when you're passing on the highway. But the word careful in scripture often means just be filled with anxiety, filled with care. Well, Paul says, be careful, be anxious for nothing. Now you say, Pastor, how am I going to live on this broken earth with all the troubles and heartaches and dangers that there are without being anxious? I'll tell you how. Because you are going to look to a God who has all power in heaven and in earth and has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Not the government. <laughs> Don't count on the government. Ronald Reagan said, those are the saddest words in the language. I'm here from the government to help you. <laughs> no, God said, I promise never to leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, I like that word boldly, don't you? The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know, David went out in the eighth Psalm on a beautiful starlit night somewhere in Israel and looked up into the heavens and you know what he said? When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. We saw the crescent moon this week. Did you know that's the very moon Adam and Eve saw in the garden? Hasn't changed. <laughs> the sun, that's the same sun that was working for Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. And David said, when I consider thy heavens, See, the word consider doesn't mean you pay it a little glance and go on to something else. You actually spend some time thinking about it, meditating on it, considering it. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Who did all that? Y'all think God created Adam on the first day and got him to help him? No. He did it all, and then he created Adam. Somebody suggested the reason he waited till the sixth day to create Adam, because after the fall, Adam would have gone around saying, look what me and God did. Right. <laughs> and somebody suggested the reason he didn't create Eve early is because she might have been trying to tell him how to do it. <laughs> you know, men and women have their weaknesses, don't they? <laughs> you can't just blame it all on the women or the men. But listen to what David says. What is man? When I look up there, and I was reading recently where an astronomer who's looking through the most powerful telescope known to man 
was looking at all the heavenly bodies and the starry heavens, and they see billions and billions and billions of stars out there. And he said it seems like they're all in their place. It was like a ballroom dance. They weren't running into one another and confused. All those heavenly bodies are moving with precision, like, like you might see a ballroom dance. Everybody in their place. God's universe, beautiful. And that word universe is a beautiful word. It means unity with diversity. God's universe. And you know who did all that? Our heavenly Father. I told Nelda the other day, I think probably of all the great truths revealed in Scripture, the greatest one is that the Bible refers to the God of this universe as our heavenly Father. Wow. See, that's not going to help you until it gets into your bloodstream. See, you can hear it and say amen and forget it. It's got to get into your thought pattern. You've got to keep it on your mind. If you forget it, you're going to go right back to worrying, fretting, and complaining and murmuring. And that's not in God's will. So when Paul says, be careful for nothing, he's talking to people who have the promise of God that I'll be with you. Now, if Sam promises you, I'll be right there with you. I might mean well, but that's not going to do you much good. But when God says it, brother, you can take that to the bank. Amen. Be careful for nothing. You say, that's impossible, brother Sam. It is in the flesh. But as we keep our eyes on God, it's very possible. Be careful for nothing. And when Paul wrote that, you may say, that's okay on a sunny day, you know, and I'm feeling good. Paul wrote that from a prison. This is one of his prison epistles. He's not writing it from a beautiful office with carpet on the floor, sitting at a mahogany desk, dictating it to a secretary. He's in a prison. And yet he says, be careful for nothing. I know y'all got your problems. I understand it, Nelda and I do. Everybody does. We're humans. But I don't think any of us got the trouble Paul had. But he said, be careful for nothing. And I believe he practiced that, don't y'all? You know, at midnight, he and Silas were singing in the innermost part of the prison in stocks. They started singing hymns in prison. I can just hear Silas and Paul talking. If you'll grant me a little freedom here tonight. Paul might have said, Silas, how are you doing? He might have said, Paul, my back is burning. It hurts me bad where they whip me tonight. And these stocks are so uncomfortable. How are you doing, Brother Paul? I can hear Paul say, let's just sing. <laughs> let's just sing. And they just started singing praises to God in the midst of that prison. See, what I'm talking about to y'all tonight is real, beloved. You can have it. It's available for us tonight in 2023. It's not some fictitious story I'm talking about. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. See, now he's giving us permission there to ask for help. You and I need help. <laughs> You know, the, the model prayer Jesus gave us started out, 
praising God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's all about God. Thy, thy, thy. And then he gives us permission to start asking. And the rest of that prayer is all about us asking for things. Give us this day. Now the us comes in. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then it ends with another praise to God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So Paul would say, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. When you and I are asking, at that very time, we ought to still be thanking him for what he's already done. God is pleased with us when we have a thankful heart. I believe, honestly, but I don't know but what ingratitude is the darkest sin that can stain the heart of the child of God. Just like a hog eating acorns never looks up till the acorns run out. How many of us have ever done that? How many of y'all got a lot to thank God for tonight? So when you got a problem, and the Bible's not saying we don't have problems, we do. But when you do, take them to somebody that can really help. And he may lead you to other people. See, God helps people through people. He's helped me through doctors and nurses. I, I thank God. I, I want to tell the doctor and the nurse, thank you. But I believe it's God working through them. God gets all the glory. Praise his name. So the flesh. You think the flesh wants to give thanks? No. <laughs> the flesh is already looking at your watch tonight and wondering how long is he going to stand up there. <laughs> See, I know your flesh because I got, <laughs> I got the same flesh. <laughs> I've been known to look at my watch in church. <laughs> I mean, not just when I was in the pulpit. <laughs> I, my, my watch went out a while back and I went to Walmart to get a new one and I, this lady was helping me and she says, uh, says, you need a new watch? I said, yes, I'm a, I'm a pastor and I try to keep up with the time when I'm in the pulpit. And she said, well, that's a good idea. She said, our pastor's got one and he looks at it but doesn't do a bit of good. <laughs> she said, he just keeps on looking at it and we're sitting there hoping well, see, the flesh does not want to be in church. The flesh does not like to sing the hymns. The flesh does not like the word. The flesh does not like prayer. I want to tell you all something tonight. I believe God has spared us from knowing just how wicked our flesh is. The truth is you and I will never know just how wicked our flesh is. Paul said it's like carrying around a dead body on your back that's decaying. It's awful. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And that was probably referred to the Roman practice when they would conquer an enemy, they would get their leader and tie a dead body to their back and he had to carry that dead body with him everywhere he went. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Well, you and I are carrying around a flesh that's just rotten. It is. And if you don't watch out, it'll take over your life. But I want to tell you all tonight, you're loved more 
than you could ever imagine. You say, Brother Sam, how could God love us? It's beyond comprehension. That's what Paul said, that God would love me. See, there in, in that psalm, David said, when I consider the heavens, what is man? I want to tell you all what man is. He's somebody that God loves so much, he gave his only son. You know how to judge what something is worth by what somebody's willing to pay for it. You may have a car to sell and you want $10,000 for it. But you know what that car's worth? It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay you for it. <laughs> Isn't that right? If nobody offers you but $1,000, that's it. <laughs> I don't care how much you think it's worth. It's worth what somebody will pay you for. Well, I want to tell you what Jesus considered you all as being worth. He gave his son for you. I want y'all to leave here tonight knowing that you're the children of the living God. And you've been saved through the precious blood of his son. And you're on your way to heaven. I want to close tonight with this. You may say, Brother Sam, I appreciate your effort to get me thankful, but I got so many problems. <laughs> I can't even think of anything I got going in my favor tonight. Well, I want to tell you, when the disciples of Jesus returned from a preaching trip, and they were so happy that the devils were subject to them. Do you know what Jesus said? Don't rejoice in this. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your names. Your names. Now, your name may be written on somebody's will tonight, and they may leave you some money, and that's good. But let me tell you, your name is written in heaven. And you know when it was written? I believe it was written before the foundation of the world. And you know who wrote it? God did. And there's not going to be any erasing. And if your name is written in heaven, you're going to be in heaven. By the grace of God. And Jesus says rejoice in this. I tell you, that's wonderful, isn't it? When my brother Kai was dying a couple of years ago, uh, on his deathbed, they were able to film him singing a hymn about uh, when we all get to heaven. And I was so glad my brother was able to, God just let him down easy with the sweet thought of, of flying away to be in glory. What's it going to really mean, brothers and sisters, when we come to that hour? I mean, you're right there on your deathbed. Everything you know and own, you're not taking any of it with you. One man said, I'm not going if I can't take it with me. <laughs> Well, you can't take any of it with you. And you're not going to need it. Naked you came into this world, naked you're going out. I read the other day where Elon Musk said that the reason we need to start colonizing Mars and other, other planets and places is because we know that something awful is bound to happen to the planet Earth eventually, some disaster and we need to colonize other places in the universe where the human race can continue. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, something is bad going to happen for sure to the planet, the Bible tells us, but God is going to take us where? To Mars? <laughs> no, to the Father's house. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, 
are many mansions. Heaven is home to us. We're just pilgrims here and strangers on this earth. So, beloved, if you don't have anything else to be thankful for, just thank God that you got a home in heaven. Amen. Already paid for. You don't have to have insurance on it. You don't have to remodel it. No termites. No hurricanes. There'll never be a funeral wreath hung on that door in heaven. Never a funeral procession down those streets. You and I are bound for glory. May God help us. See, Satan wants us to complain, complain, complain. I know people that got a doctor degree in it. <laughs> I mean, they are specialists. They know how to complain now. But what we really want to do is just learn to give thanks. Not just be thankful, but tell people. I tell you, we ought to just start right now and say, thank you, Father. Oh, Jordan, Jordan.